Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. We have another soundtrack in live for you this week, recorded at the Glasgow Film Festival back in February, I think, before lockdown came into effect. Man, that feels like a lifetime ago already. My guests were Simon Bird and Stuart Murdoch discussing their collaboration on Simon's gorgeous directorial debut, Days of the Bagnold Summer, for which Bell and Sebastian provided the music. Starring Monica Dolan and Earl Cave, son of Nick, Days of the Bagnold Summer is based on a graphic novel by Geoff Winterhart and tells the story of a single mother and her 15-year-old son as they navigate the stresses and strains of a school summer holiday in each other's company. Note to self, I have that just around the corner. It's a beautiful piece of work and you can watch it now on home entertainment formats and I highly recommend that you do. Ben Sebastian's music, meanwhile, is available via Matador Records and we'll be hearing a little bit of that shortly. But first, a word from our friends at Gymshark. Now, Gymshark is not only a conditioning brand dedicated to creating functional training wear, but also really strives to build passionate, empowered communities. They formed back in 2012 in a garage in Birmingham and now connect with a worldwide family of over 15 million people in over 150 countries. In these times of isolation, I'm finding it more and more important than ever to try and get some exercise. It's good for me physically, but also, more importantly, mentally. I've been doing, well, I've been trying to do a couple of runs every week, conditioning my mind and body with a little bit of yoga and then also doing PE classes with the kids, or at least attempting to, from tennis to cricket and athletics. I find motivation to do my best can come from wearing comfortable, empowering clothing. That's why I'm a huge fan of gym. Shark and their brand. It does get me motivated and ready to push myself that little bit further. For more information and to check out the range, head to gymshark.com forward slash Edith Bowman. That's gymshark.com forward slash Edith Bowman. And so to Simon and Stuart. As we'll hear, Bell and Sebastian furnished Simon with loads and loads of music, some of which had lyrics, some of which did not, instead serving as more traditional instrumental score. We'll begin with one such cue, Sister Buddha. your beers out I should have brought wine ah never mind I'll go and get it no 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 set yourself down now you both should have a microphone there as well thank you for bringing clips and and for just you know putting a bit of work in for us today as well <laughs> I've seen the film and Simon I've got to say congratulations because I think thank it's you. it's a really beautiful film and being a mum as well of a kid who's preteen it kind of also terrifies a horror me. film yeah, yeah. <laughs> but could, do you mind talking about how long you know you you've been wanting to make a film and making that step into directing and, and how easy or difficult that journey was for you yeah uh, I, I guess it's something i wanted to do for for ages i mean i'm obviously more famous as a as an actor um but you know as much as i love acting it's creatively not the most fulfilling thing you can do because you it's not your they're not your words and you don't really have any say over how it turns out um so i knew i wanted to do something where i could take control take back control uh, and um that's one of my m- main mottos actually for life um, t-shirts are available yeah, before you yeah. after um <laughs> So, yeah, I wanted to do something where I could basically see a project through all the way from the beginning to the end. Mm. Um, 
And so I, I sort of, I made a short film first uh, and then started thinking about a feature. And this book that I'd read a few years ago really just kept, sort of, I kept coming back to it. Mm. And um, uh, the graphic novel that the film is based on is by a guy called Joff Winterhart. And it's just this incredibly uh, beautiful, poignant, funny, uh, short, crucially, book. And um, that it felt like a story that I hadn't really seen on, in a British film before. So, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up with this. What's the first day on set like when you're directing for the first time? Well, I mean, it's a bit scary, but I think I've been lucky in that I've, just, I've worked on a lot of sets before. Mm-hmm. And also... Uh, I, I prepare I do quite a lot I'm a bit of a boffin and I uh, was sort of ready uh, I think I was so scared in advance that I'd done so much preparation that by the time we were there I sort of knew what, what, what exactly how the day was going to pan out yeah. so actually it was fine okay. <laughs> anticlimactic <laughs> answer it was absolutely fine actually <laughs> inside shitting myself but I actually and um, what about when it came to to music for the film and, and what point did you start thinking about how the film would sound yeah i mean it's obviously like a huge part of the um of the book and and then the, the script that lisa wrote because um so for anyone who doesn't know the film is about a, a boy who uh, is a huge uh, metal head he loves uh, metallica and iron maiden and judas priest and that's a big part of the um of the story and equally then it's a big part that you see what his mum's taste is which is more sort of 70s mor uh, James Taylor and Barry Manilow. Um, I love that uh, scene of us singing in the car. Yeah, it's so great. Good. So I, I definitely knew music was going to be an important part of it, but I was I was quickly informed as well that we would never get any of those bands that I've just mentioned. Uh, Someone so said that I, to you then. Oh, yeah. I mean, straight away. <laughs> uh, um, so we sort of had to think again. And so we, I went through various thought processes. I mean, at one stage, I, you know, we were talking about the film being totally different and being more in the aesthetic of the book, which is black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about doing it in black and white and making it quite sort of grungy and pure, having a purely metal soundtrack. And that didn't feel right because it's, you know, metal is Daniel's passion, but it's not Sue's and it's mm-hmm. just as much Sue's story as it is Daniel's. So I sort of decided we needed something to thread it all together. I don't know, the, the, the sort of weird theory I settled on in, in my head was that the music should in some way sort of match what I think Joff's drawings do in the book. I think the drawings, straight away, you know from the first panel that you see in the book that there's a real empathy there and the drawings are sort of witty without being cruel and they're sort of human uh, and you know, you know, immediately that there's a sort of warmth to it. Yeah. So that's what I was, uh, you know, thinking about with the music. And obviously, with all those adjectives I said, the first thing I thought of was Ben Sebastian, which were, you know, was weird sitting next to Stuart and saying this, but like <laughs> that, there was such a formative influence on me when I was a teenager. I, I think I first heard them when I was sort of. 15 or whatever and you know really getting into music and I was it was sort of during Britpop and uh, it was the first music I'd heard that just really chimed with me and was Mm. like introspective and not as laddie as some of the other you know some (laughs) of the Britpop bands that are around storytelling and songwriting exactly yeah and just sort of witty and uh, and wise so yeah, I mean, so I thought Ben Sebastian, I think I said to the music supervisor that we had on the on the film, that type of music, obviously we're not going to get Ben Sebastian, but that sort yeah. of thing. Can you go and tell me who we can afford that would do, you know, <laughs> a, a pale imitation? Uh, and uh, he sort of secretly sent the book and the script to Stuart and a week later... Stuart got in touch and was sort of immediately up for it. Amazing. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. But yeah, that was sort of a, a very strange, wow. surreal moment. Were you aware of the book beforehand, Stuart? No, my, my friend liked it and she had mentioned it, but you know, when I first got it, yeah, that was the first time I'd really seen it. What was your reaction when you read the script then? Well, I didn't read the script first. I read the, I read the book. Yeah. You know, it, this stage when they mentioned the project, I I got the, uh, you know, I bought it that night online and 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 you know read it immediately, and and just thought yeah, 
yeah, let's do this. This is this is ideal. In the same way that the 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 pictures suggested a certain sound to you, I I almost felt that I could hear that sound as well coming off the you know. So it just felt like a the right thing to do. What do you think it was you connected with with the story? Oh, it had a certain vibe, you know. There's just I mean I think almost like a little bit Adrian Mole or. In, in between Adrian Mole and Mike Lee, you know, th- these are two kind of things I love, for instance, you know, so um, I, it just immediately, it, it, it just got me straight away. Just the, the tone, it just, I mean, you could look at the first panel and you'd be like, I know I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. I do like a comic novel, not the kind of, you know, not so much the kind of Marvel stuff, but I like certain comic novels and I certainly like this one. They almost give space, don't they, for an interpretation in a way. So if you are thinking about it in a in a filmic way or a musical way and stuff, there's there's almost kind of space in the way that they're created to allow your imagination to take it a step further in a way is the thing I always think with, with graphic novels in particular. Yeah, totally. I think, I think especially w- with this one, it feels like a very untraditional graphic novel. It feels like a, almost a graphic novel for like middle-aged mums. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's me. Yeah, well, and weirdly <laughs> me, it turns out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but definitely, I mean, that was what was n- nice about it. I mean, I knew that I, I loved the book, but it also felt like there was a lot to do with it creatively. Because mm-hmm. uh, as much as you, you sort of finish the book sort of totally getting it, actually, when you look back, nothing's happened and there's very little dialogue in it. <laughs> so it still is a challenge to make a film out of it. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun challenge. And so what constructs... Oh, I was going to I wonder what... You didn't ask Judas Priest, did you? I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't think we went to Judas Priest. No, we did. We definitely asked Metallica. Right. And actually Metallica weren't very nice and let us use a lot of their T-shirts. Say that uh, again? But Metallica let us use a lot of their T-shirts, uh, but um, the music was more expensive. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. I just wondered what they would have made of it, you know, passing it around the kind of band room and <laughs> like, I don't... I don't I do like this one. I like no, sorry, from Birmingham, aren't they, Judas Priest? I used to. Can you do Brum? No, no, yeah, no. And then, but what, what were the conversations then that you had with regards to how you would approach providing music for, for the film? Was it always going to be, you know, because there's moments where it's just melody that's used, there are moments where it's song, you know, and lyrics are in there as well. It's a really lovely mix of things. And so what were the discussions that you had about what you needed and, and what you wanted? We, we spoke quite early about it before we started filming, which I think was really useful. I think in the back of my head, what I sort of knew what I wanted to avoid was sort of that thing of composing for a moment in the film or, you know, yeah. like sending a scene and being like, we just want this to be more emotional. So Why now? Yeah, put yeah. some music on it. So I, I sort of wanted to avoid any of that hand-holding stuff. I don't know. I, I basically, I, I, I thought um, these guys would send us one or two little bits of melody that we'd then thread throughout the film. What actually happened is they sent me like many albums worth of brilliant material oh, wow. uh, and I was like totally sport for choice and in the end just wanted to put as much of it <laughs> in as possible. What was our, we had a sort of conversation where we talked about um, films that we liked. Yeah, did you have any reference points and, we, and stuff? I think Harold and Maud was one of mine. Oh, Cat yeah. Stevens one, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that Which film. is a lovely one and um, yeah, we spoke about that and the, and the Graduate I think. Oh, yeah. And a lot of sort of stuff from the... Uh, yeah, 70s, 60s.
Yeah, I, I mean, I just couldn't believe how generous Stuart was with, with their music. It was ridiculous. I was like, really, um, yeah, I felt like such a fanboy. Yeah, I got just sort of sent a Dropbox folder with like 30 new Bell of Sebastian songs. Oh my God. Well, we yeah. did, the thing is, the band is, we're, you know, we're all getting older and we we sort of feel like, how, how, how long do we have? You know, life is short, you know, and, and so we're trying to write, we're trying to make more and more music faster and faster because we have a a lot of ideas mm. so it really wasn't extra generous of us really it was it was just like we were like okay, i'll tell you that back. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were just really happy to and we were working on a kind of an instrumental project anyway we were sort of doing so um so it was it was a nice spur and the, and the key thing is to get in early yeah. in any collaborative process is to get in early because we we did one film project like 10 years or 12 years before that and and we came in sort of afterwards and and we had none of the the joy of collaboration really but is it a different experience for you though as a band when it's a project for someone else you're still as the band but it's i mean is the pressure off you know it's not kind of like you need to to provide an album so yeah what are you yeah it's slightly slightly different kind of thing i think you just you just have fun and also because we, you get a lot of inspiration from the material and and from the people you're working with, so it's it, it tends to go quite quickly. And and are any of the band here? No, <laughs> it's like a, awkward. It would it would kill them to show up, but I would, <laughs> um, no, okay, they they see enough of me during the week. But it's they they really they really warm to this sort of thing, you know, because I write a lot of words, obviously, and then, and then in projects like this is more strictly instrumental music, and and they all write uh, pure music, so so they're usually m- more involved in the, that kind of project, so they really like it. I'm going to play a clip, um, and then we'll talk about it after this. Daniel, are you okay? I'm fine. Don't fall asleep. Now I'm in kind of similar trouble Same old fear, just a different place Taxi take me to somewhere exotic Taxi show me the look on the face of a boy To the way you are feeling now Feeling now See what the day holds Feeling now Feeling now Wait and see what the day holds So good. And it's... I, I love how we have this absolute luxury of, you know, you think there's a bit of score coming in over this and then suddenly we hear your beautiful voice and these lyrics and stuff that so complement the story as as well and and sure what what were you you know when you're writing the lyrics to a piece of music that is it's a piece of score but it's more than that how are you addressing that how are you starting that again we had the luxury of coming in early so so we very quickly wrote inspired by the the script inspired by what we talked about so that one for instance you're kind of it's coming from you but it's being inflected by the film. So if it works in the scene, then that's because of the, the of the filmmaking and the editing, you know. So it wasn't really, I don't think, I mean, yes. that wasn't written for So for that, for wouldn't that. have been written for that particular bit. Yeah. But like I say, I just, so they sent so, they sent me so much stuff that it was like, that I had a bit for, you know, for any scene that we had. It yeah. was like, oh, that bit works perfectly there. And yeah. This bit is great for that. So you uh, hadn't seen any performances or anything at this point as well? No, I don't. I don't think no, so. All that, we, you said all that music to, before we started filming. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we we pretty much. That's what I mean. It we'd we, yeah. we'd written a lot. Just and but you kind of have that. You have the confidence that when you've done it a couple of times before, if you're in the that zone, then you you know it's gonna it's gonna hopefully work. That's extraordinary because not many composers get that luxury of that early start. You know, in terms of your literally the, the pictures 
what do they call it, locked, where it's all, you know, where it's it's edited and that's it. And then they've got to write to that time, to that beat, to that sort of thing. That's that's absolutely, that's what we, we knew and realised and that's why I wanted to get in early. Not just because we're lazy, but... <laughs> I, I, the sounds of things, you're anything but lazy. No, but it's, the thing is that you, you probably would have to do 10 times the work to do that kind of stuff, you know, to do that Craig Armstrong stuff. And, and we just don't have the the discipline to you know there's seven of us and it's it's a mess you know so um it's 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 much more fun to do it that way are we what was your reaction when you saw the choices that simon had then made from what you'd provided you know married with those performances as well with those songs oh it's all uh, it's all good yeah i loved it i mean the performances are so great you know and they so fit as well yeah that's the the kind of great thing it's like this wonderful sort of almost like serendipity of these without seeing the performances how well the music fits them sure but the, the, but you know simon got the tone right in mm. the, the the movie which is the important thing yeah i think yeah did you play any of the cast any of the music no uh, i don't think i did no i um at that stage it was i was very busy <laughs> uh, um <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they actually they were listening to a lot more stuff that was, you know, so I think Earl was desperately trying and failing to get into heavy metal. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but he really, he did give it a good old go. Yeah. But uh, he just doesn't like it. Does he not? <laughs> no. What was he, what does he like? Um, oh, you know, cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. The son of Nick Cave yeah. has got to be just like, you know. Um so no, they. I think they were listening to more sort of character stuff. I like the idea that did Monica do the same? Were they did they have little playlists for their car? They did. Yeah, they used to share. They used to share a car in um, to film in. I think they took it in turns to play each other's CDs. Uh, so yeah, they were swapping. Yeah, Metallica and James Taylor. I think <laughs> on a loop. Was the in the song she sings in the car? Yeah. Was that was that in the script? Well, yeah, it sort of had to be. That had a sort of checkered history of in the book or or in the first draft of the screenplay. It was Dancing Queen, and uh, my producer just sort of burst out laughing. <laughs> it was like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, um, so then we started to look for like songs that everyone knows that are free. And we're, once we were looking at like Green Sleeves, I was like, this doesn't, this isn't right. Uh, um, so we basically had to find something that was cheap but the um this, sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it uh, which is basically everyone uh it's this quite a few actually oh really okay. yeah, well, thank yeah. you uh there was a scene where um sue and daniel go on a uh, sort of road trip and she is um singing one of her favorite songs in the car and in the film it's can't smile without you basically the cheapest song we could find such uh, a good song as well well yeah uh, but then it sort of morphs into the actual recording of can't smile without you which uh we, we were going to go into the barry manilow one um which was i think like i don't know whether we, we should talk about numbers but oh it was, everyone it, does it's okay, great it was six thousand pounds well. um <laughs> uh, so instead um stuart and banners passing did it for, for free so <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so you did a so, great version <laughs> I like yours better. <laughs> um, we've got another brilliant clip which is going to work seamlessly now since we sorted out all the technical stuff. Oh, get me away from here, I'm dying. Play me a song to set me free. Nobody writes them like they used to, so we'll play as well be me. Here am I now after hours. Here am I now on a bus. Think of it this way, you could either successful all because with our winning smiles and our hands with our catchy tunes or words now we're photogenic you know we don't stop 
stand a chance. Anything else? Uh, cheeseburger, fries, and a coke. Want to go large for 60p? Uh, yeah, right. Then he's so good in this so film. He's so good, and it's kind of when I see his name attached to anything or he's in, I was like, I've got to watch it because yeah. he's just got this charisma. Yeah. So, kind of, you know, I mean, that's probably not a good example of his charisma <laughs> on the screen, but he's just extraordinary to watch. He's amazing, yeah. Was I mean, he- it's such a hard part to cast because you know he's basically like a grumpy teenager but you've got to the audience have got to be rooting for him on some level and he's got to be likable despite the fact he basically spends the whole film swearing at his mum yeah um and yeah we saw so many kids did you yeah but Earl was just he was just something about him is magnetic and he's just such he's just so nice he's such a lovely lovely man uh, and that just shines through even when he's, mm. you know, playing a, a, a little bastard. <laughs> was that a weird thing for you, kind of being on the other side, you know, being an actor and having to screen test people and choose someone for y- your film? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, I've sort of done that before. Like, I've, you know, made my... I've made sitcoms before and been in on those casting sessions and cast my own live shows. So I've sort of done it before yeah. and... Um, was just you know knew the the book and the scripts so well and inside out that I I just knew exactly what we were looking for. Yeah. So like the, you know this this sort of the second he walked in we knew, we knew it was him. But that scene is like it's almost like a little mini silent movie in a way, and the song does so much to kind of it's so funny as well the choices of you know the establishments that he goes into to yeah. hand in his CV is just that song is an interesting point really. I mean because. I was quite keen not to have that in the film, frankly, just because it's a classic Bell and Sebastian song and I want it to be all new material. But yeah. our editor put it on like the first cut that he did. So I, I didn't ever choose that. The editor put it on because he knew Bell and Sebastian were soundtracking the film. Yeah. And I watched it and I just knew straight away it was perfect and I was really pissed off. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to be able to take that off. Oh, uh, did you try anything else? Uh, we did try. We tried some of the other amazing material they had, but something about that and the, you know, it ends on that lyric about the, you know, boy just like me. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, I, I, oh, it was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction to that, Stuart, after you provided all this new music? No, I don't mind. We even re-recorded it. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the song, because it's kind of a little bit difficult for me to listen back to, you know, that's a long time ago. So we, we did a, a, and it's on the album, on the, the soundtrack album, but you definitely fitted, it worked for you, the old version. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, an afternoon's work. <laughs> oh, get me away from here, I'm dying. Play me a song to set me free. Nobody writes them like they used to So it may as well be me Here I'm my own now after hours Here I'm my own now on a bus Think of it this way We could either be successful or be ours With our winning smiles and not us With our catchy tunes or us No photogenic you know, we don't stand a chance. Is it weird? Is it, I don't think about it like that in a way that it's kind of going back to songs that are of a certain time or a certain age that they could, they could possibly be difficult to go back to. Oh, not, not so much the songs, um, because we still play yeah. that song, for instance, a lot. It's more the record. Can't even better name it. <laughs> you can even better name it. No. <laughs> you call it that song. <laughs> this song that shall not be named. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's more the the actual recording because you feel that you can do it a bit better. You know, we 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 had only been a band for about six months at that point. What do you like about when your your music's used in in films? Because you know, it would take me a long time to to name all the films that Bell and Sebastian's music has has featured in. And and for you, what's the kind of you know? I'm sure there's some you said no to. Yeah, is my wife here? Did she make it? Oh, she didn't make it. Well, that's quite good because she's cringes every. She's time. out with a band, Stuart. She, yeah, she's <laughs> having a good time somewhere. No, because every time you, somebody mentions Shrek, she 
because we didn't, we, you know, being a, that sort of bloody-minded sort of, you know, we, back in the day, we didn't do music for films. We didn't even, we just used to say no to everything. You yeah. know, we'd got shown the, the script, you know, by this green monster. And we were like, come on, <laughs> you know. Get out my swamp. <laughs> so, uh, um, what changed that then? Was there, what changed you from just saying no to everything to going, we should think about this, guys? Um, or was I, can't it? I can't remember. It was maybe just one one time where we got, uh, well, the first thing we said yes to was because somebody phoned us up. It was mm. actually uh, Christina Ricci was making a film and she got my home phone number and <laughs> and she just she just phoned me up. It was Christina Ricci. And Did you go, she, yeah, right. Because she knew that she wasn't getting anywhere because we just, and, and I, of course she just, I said yes, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about money or anything like that. She just, she just asked. She was just nice, you know. So, and from that point onwards, we we started to, you know, because it always had, it, it sh- there should be a connection. Yeah. You know, if there were, if there, uh, we find if there's a, a connection, it always has to come from the director or somebody creative. And if there's a, a connection, then, then usually the music use will, will be good. I mean, even in um, the one with um, John Cusack, High Fidelity, the, the music was it was Stevie's song and it was used as the, the butt of a joke, but it was still probably the best use of it was really suitable, you know, and it was it was fun, you know, it was uh, that was about the best use of our music in a film, I think. Until now. Uh, until now. <laughs> Have you ever like been watching a film and your music's been in and you've not realised that it was going to be in it? Uh, maybe yeah, maybe a couple <laughs> of times or sometimes sometimes randomly on TV or something, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Did you speak to Simon as well, being a filmmaker yourself as well, in terms of that experience and, you know, and, and you know, I guess as a first-time full-length feature director, you are learning as well. You can prepare as Definitely, much as you yeah. want, but you are still learning as you're going through that experience. And was that something you talked about in terms of what it is like to step into that that role of, of making your first film? I had a feeling for a second, I'd be like, they'll put him on my knee and try to explain things to him. <laughs> so, and then, you know, very quickly... I got this feeling, listen, this is not my first picnic. Because, you know, he's been on sets, obviously. You know, when you've been on a set, and I'm... When, you, when you're actually a director, even if you're a seasoned director, sometimes directors are only on set for a very short period compared to the rest of the crew and the actors. And when you were saying your experience of going being director, you were quite well prepared. I mean, I felt like I'd walked into a Gordon Ramsay's kitchen, and and and, <laughs> and then somebody said to me, "Okay, where's the menu?" You know, like you're the like you're the chef or something. I, I didn't have a clue. Uh, I, I really was crapping at the first day, <laughs> so I didn't have anything to offer. The- the the moments in in days of Bagno summer where you do kind of jump into Earl's or Daniel's kind of you know sonic world with that metal is used so brilliantly and kind of as bursts almost was that kind of navigating the kind of journey of the music in a way that where you would have it where you wouldn't have it and um, both in terms of of, of using Bell and Sebastian was that an easy thing to navigate uh, it was definitely <clears> like. Uh, we sort of figured it out as we went along. That sort of all came in the edit. So I think that was a a first cut of the film. I mean, I I really just wanted it to be like tonally consistent. So originally we didn't have any metal in there at all. It was all Ben Sebastian. And I I don't know, I just felt felt like it was missing it. Seems like such a easy joke in a way. Like we'd we'd be missing a trick not to have thrash metal over beautiful suburbs. Uh, so yeah, and and more importantly, that it was like like you say, just a way into Daniel's head. Yeah, and we have you know we have that moment for for Sue with with Can't Smile Without You, and that we needed an equivalent for Daniel. So yeah, it was definitely not in the original plan but it quickly became obvious that it probably helped i've got a couple of examples of it here it's so good (laughs) (laughs) it's so good 
yeah, it just those those moments felt very useful. Just just to avoid people feeling like, oh, we've seen this film before and we know what to expect. Just to have those sort of jolts of like, oh, yeah, you know, just wake up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how people are able to do that. That kind of thing. Yeah, it's Go like, on, give it a go. I just no, I just cough like for days. I've, I've, I have tried it, but you just cough for days. I think one of my favourite lines in the film is um, "Life's too short to spend with dickheads." <laughs> I want a t-shirt with that on it. So good. Um, but when you were with with those tracks, I guess it was a case of what ones can we afford? Yeah. But also just oh, what we'd to- get that tone right as well, but not being a total piss take, but it just totally. landing right. I had to, I had to, yeah, like Earl did. I had to, you know, get my heavy metal on. I had to, um, so that was, yeah. I spent a good few weeks. I mean, I don't, I do not. You might not be able to tell, but I don't have a background in uh, in metal. Um, but I, I actually quite, in, I was sort of into it by the end, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, um, I feel like there's. I, I think I cheated as well because I think the stuff in there is slightly towards the slightly cooler end of metal. I didn't really. I I didn't get into like Metallica, but I did. I didn't mind like the sort of the noise, the noise stuff, just the sort of shouting and the screaming. <laughs> I tapped into it. Up. It's just so clever the way that it's used. But one thing I think that's really interesting is knowing when to not use music. Yeah. Was that? an easy thing to just because it kind of sounds like a stupid thing going well of course you you know when to not but it's it's quite a tricky thing isn't it totally and i think that's like i that's why i was saying earlier about the not really scoring scenes mm. i just knew instinctively going in I, I didn't want to do that and i think a lot of the films that i like and a lot of sort of I like a lot of pretentious European <laughs> dogma cinema where well, there is just no music and yeah. like you're not led at all and that feels very sort of truthful and honest to me and much more in keeping with the, the book as well which isn't there's nothing extraneous about the book it's so economical and sparse and so focused on those characters so yeah it felt Im- important to give them space and to just feel the, the quiet in the house and that yeah. sort of distance between them tension uh, yeah well you mentioned a couple of films you know in terms of being reference points for the music side of things Harold and Maude and The Graduate but as a director and the aesthetic of the film and and the tone of the film did you have any specific reference film well, references? similar things to be honest I think a lot of the films that I love are, are from that era I love uh, all of Elaine May's films like The Heartbreak Kid and Peter Bogdanovich like The uh, Paper Moon and uh, so a lot of those films that are, that are quite um restrained in the way they're shot i guess Mm -hmm. but are still really still managed to be really funny Mm -hmm. um so i sort of had those in my head but also just because of the what the the genre of this there's a lot of overlap with like american indie films you know like uh days confused and and rushmore and those sort of coming of agey yeah virgin suicides was yeah definitely and i mean she's amazing sophia coppola and how she uses music as well the the music is so varied but it all sort of seems to work together stuart for you in terms of when you were going and taking that step into making your your debut feature and and what for you aesthetically it was was going to look like bell sebastian or a band who they have such a strong aesthetic with them. You know, they are almost like a filmic band in a way in terms of the imagery that you conjure up in the, in the music that you make. But with God Help the Girl, were there specifics for you that were inspirations and reference points? I guess there were. It, was, uh, it seems a long Six time ago, ago now. <laughs> yeah, it seems a, a long time ago. It was 2012 we shot it. But oh, wow. I actually remember going, I do remember one thing going into film four, pitching the film I'd never pitched anything before in my life and uh I was like okay it's gonna be like a Bell and Sebastian record cover come to life they they were just like (laughs) totally completely unimpressed it was a really short meeting so yeah it wasn't enough that it was just like a a Bell and Sebastian aesthetic but uh, I I just like I like some musicals I like pop musicals and and uh you know good musicals where the music is good I know that I know that sounds funny, but I just, you know, like, for instance, the sound of music is full of amazing songs. You know, you can't deny them. They're mm-hmm. all good. Whereas some of the stuff my mum used to watch, like 
Carousel and South Pacific and 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 Oklahoma. They they didn't really do it for me, you know. So Calamity Jane. Calamity Jane was had got a couple of great ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a clip from God Help the Girl. If you don't mind oh. us showing that, if that's all right. Long legged girl from the west, you came onto the scene like an energetic. Charming ways you have learned. All the boys have been bent by a mesmerizing gaze. Waltzing into situations vacant, getting a raise. Writing home to tell your folks about the city ways are nagging at you. What's a girl supposed to do when a city closes in? From the lady upstairs, she's as deaf as a post, as transparent as a wraith. Boys are queuing, troubles brewing, but you take it all in. You take it all in. the wave of their affection, look behind the gaze and Confessions of love. Pretty even the top. Please allow me to scrub. Please allow me to rub. Please allow me to scrub. So good. Similar kind of bath vibe there, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't, yeah, we didn't, yeah, I didn't, didn't yeah. plan that. <laughs> um, did you know about Ollie at the time in terms of what his kind of aspirate? I mean, I don't know if at the time he was, you know, years and years was even something that was. Yeah, it wasn't even. He, he, no, he just auditioned and I saw hundreds of people and I saw a Skype edition, uh, audition and he was like, usually everybody was like, you know, playing guitar and stuff. And he was standing behind a funny keyboard going, hi, I'm going to play one of my own songs. And I was like, oh, wow, this is unique. <laughs> so I, I, I cast him within seconds. You know, Amazing. he was obviously. And and then actually during the filming, he was asking my advice. He was saying my agent wants me to give up film and and do like try pop music for a while. I was going, what are you talking about it's clear by this time he's a genius and uh i said no you can you can do both he says no i think i'm going to try pop for a while and obviously six months later he was he won the the bbc award something and then he was he was off he's an extraordinary front man yeah so amazing amazing yeah incredible it was so nice to revisit that film and i know i spoke to you the time about it but you know the music having such a specific role within that of it being part of the narrative you know which is is, is quite a, a unique thing and when you're casting that you have to get those castings spot on and Emily as well it was like it was just kind of beautiful synergy with that was that an easy thing you know you talk about you saw thousands of people for Ollie Joel but with Emily was was she something and I know you kind of fought against having someone that was known is that right you kind no, of no, really I would have taken anybody that was <laughs> It was honestly, I was saying anybody that was right for the part. It was yeah. that was it was the hardest artistic choice. It, it was almost as hard as getting married or something like that. It was really, but sorry, I didn't make I didn't really make a choice. Obviously, we just got married. But it's <laughs> probably a good job my wife isn't here. <laughs> She's not but, here. We're fine. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of, well, I'm kind of glad she's here, but she knows. I mean, she, Marissa would tell you the, it was, casting is, I think is because I didn't know. I, I okay. was, because it was my first time. Yeah. I think everything that I would do would be much quicker. You know, it was just the hardest thing. But then again, Ollie was, when the right thing appears. That's it. I think, no, I think it does like, casting's horrible for the whole time until you find the right person. It doesn't seem possible that you will find the right person. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, in your head, you're thinking, okay, well, this person's good enough, I think. And like, you're, you sort of accept that. Mm -hmm. And then the right person walks in and is like, oh no, this is, okay, fine. Everything's fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, Monica in, in your film is just, she's so great. Yeah, she's perfect. Oh, she didn't have to audition though. No, she, she's, uh, I sort of yeah, I yeah. always had my eye on her for that because I've sort of I've seen her in so much stuff and I yeah. knew she'd be perfect for it. Did you just send her the script and she kind of was like, "Yep, uh, yeah." It was slightly more complicated, <laughs> uh, but 
yeah, there, there, were, there were a couple of meetings. She's just such a like pro that mm. she, yeah, she needs. She was more about her scoping me out than me scoping her out. I think, uh, but yeah, we had a couple of meetings in a cafe in foils, and after that, it was a yes. <laughs> Has the experience of making your first film made you want to make another one? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I loved it, and I'm really proud of it. But at the same time, there's like things about it that I would would do differently. Uh, so. Yeah, I just, I just want to have the opportunity to go and do another one. You brought a couple of clips of some of your... Well, what are they? Your favourite <laughs> bits of music and film? I just brought this a, a couple of random, random clips. And uh, how about you play the uh, Black Klansman? Yeah. Have you got that one? Got it here. I just, as an example of the way that you hope your music would be used someday in a film. Okay, let's have a look. Let's dance, follow me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Turn back Of course, you got a you got to write a song. It's you know you got to make a record as good as that. But it, it's just a notion of that you could be sitting in a cinema and you get the scene where everybody's just having the best time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone's singing along. Everyone knows the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wants to do the dance. Yeah. That idea of a piece of diegetic music, though, where it's in the film, you know, as, as a piece of music. And I imagine someone like Spike can pretty much use anything. I would imagine. He, he's probably my favorite person for using you know the over the the range of things that he yeah. does the way that he uses music because his dad used to do his scores early on and they, they were jazzy it was um and and they're they're fantastic like the for instance the the do the right thing not do the right thing um what's the one i, ha- I i've got on there oh she's got a habit from yeah. 86 is probably my favorite score Never wastes music. Yeah, no, it's all—it's perfect. Every kind of sort of note kind of means something. I think is in the way that he he uses it. Right, one more. Which one? Oh, do I get one more? You get one more. Oh, this is fab. Um, <laughs> um, oh, well, Zootopia. Since yeah. since all we ever watch is kids' movies now, but uh, here's a great one. Without 
that Shakira? Shakira, yeah. Sorry, Zootropolis is the movie, not yeah. Zootropolis. Yeah, it's very good. The animation, that's amazing. The worlds they create are just absolutely extraordinary. It's brilliant, yeah. What do you like about it? Well, that was just the feeling of it. I think that's a... I just, it's a common thing in a film where a kind of young person comes to the city for the first time. In this case, it happens to be young rabbit. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you get that feeling anyway. You know, it could be uh, Ferris Bueller or something like that when they're driving into Chicago or, or you know, something. But it's just, it gets, you know, I was surprised when I was watching this. I was getting that same exhilaration. Wow, look at the city. <laughs> and it's a, and it, that, that Shakira tune, amazing. Yeah. Great tune. It's it's so great to to hear how your music's been used in Simon's film because so much of the minute you get that kind of oh so and so's done a you know has done a track has done something on the soundtrack and you kind of watch the entire film and then it's just over the end credits and it's like such a waste of of or it's also just a marketing tool for things as well but to see you know band really invest in a in a story and and supply a new filmmaker with so much music is a wonderful thing and a wonderful support to see from kind of do different sides of art i guess as well it's definitely worth it sorry so i just it's thrilling for us honestly say thank you basically (laughs) it is thrilling to get the chance because you're right i've seen on a few occasions you know you've got to see something maybe your own music's been in it or somebody else's music and and it it just pops up at the end you're like what's the point of that and we've got time for about five ten minutes of questions if anybody would would like the opportunity to ask Stuart or Simon any questions we've got some Roman microphones and also I always find when I do these things that once one person asks a question it's like Pringles once you pop you can't stop so be that first person you know kind of don't be be scared yes yes we've got one yes Hello. You're a Nick. hero. Um, I just wondered yeah, the scenes that you shot at Seaside, um, was that a, a, an, amal- an amalgam of many different locations? It was well spotted, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we shot it in the bulk of it in South End. Uh, you guys came to visit actually when we had a lovely day in South End. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there are other bits uh, in Dungeness and uh, various other places I now can't remember. How long but, was the shoot? Uh, it was four weeks. Yeah, so it was busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, any other questions from lady down the front here, please? And then a man over there. You said you had masses of um, really great songs to choose from. Once you'd done all your kind of filming and you were in that stage where you were um, putting the film together, yeah. was that when you started to connect the film, the sound, to the music to the to the images? Or had you been doing that all the way through when you were... Because you had the music really early. Yeah. Were you doing it as you made the film? Or was it at the end that you started to... It was it was the end really that I started like putting it on specific scenes, but definitely having it early was really helpful in that that I knew I knew there were definitely like bits of the music that I wanted to use or that I felt were going to be right for certain uh, sections. But the actual like yeah pasting it on didn't happen till later. Was it really hard to choose from all? all oh yeah, it was, it was it was horrible. Uh, what are you going to uh, do with the extra ones? Destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do with the extra ones? Oh, we always recycle, you know. It's like <laughs> they pop up. But yeah. Gentleman over here, hello. Can I ask how much the the film cost to make and how you funded it? Yeah, it was, um, I think it was just under half a million. And it's independent film financing is just a horrible world and some of the money came from the from uh, the company that are distributing the film Altitude who gave us some money up front which was very kind of them and then uh, we just raised various bits of money from various other some literally just in, in some individuals um, and some organisations but it's very very stressful that process because it's all like a jigsaw puzzle and if one piece goes then all the others get spooked and leave as well so you don't know it's happening until the, the really like the day also they won't send you the money until you're literally starting filming so you have to tell everyone I, had, I just had to pretend to Stuart the film is definitely happening uh, <laughs> and to all the cast and all the crew as well be like oh yeah no it's definitely it's definitely happening 
yeah, yeah, see you there Monday morning. But they don't actually like send the money to the producer's account till you start. So it's wow. very, um, that was definitely the, the worst bit. It's not a lot of money as well for a beautiful film as well. I mean, I would, I'm really shocked at how. Yeah. The, the, um, but Baron Sebastian, uh, I think probably for them, did it at a very cut price deal. So I massively <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the, uh, on the music front, you know, every, all the metal we use, all of that, all of it costs money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thankfully, those the metal bands, I think, were just surprised to be asked. So they, they gave it to us pretty cheap. But there was one, we had to have a song at the end. That the, there's a, a wedding at the end, and they danced to... Oh, God, yeah. And we needed that song to be a sort of sort of feel like a classic wedding song so it had to be something recognizable and we we used this um scissor sisters song in the end and for dancing yeah Yeah. uh and that that was very um that's where the majority of the of the music budget went to be honest time it didn't seem like we'd get that but they sort of eventually gave us a deal as well as Stuart said earlier a lot of it is just about trying to make a connection with them and mm-hmm. just begging just yeah. <laughs> please <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah crying yeah uh, so related to the kids table at the wedding as well yeah <laughs> I was always on that table for longer than I should have been <laughs> as a child so good sorry that was just a personal share there all oh, right anyone else hello mate got a question thank you a uh, question for actually one, one question each first of all uh Stuart, does the success of Shrek leave you lying awake at night? No. No. <laughs> yes. No. No. You kinda live in the now, you know, you just <laughs> And your next question. Uh no, um Simon, did uh, the holding an audition process just uh seem like such a juxtaposition to like auditioning yourself, like bring back in memories of like auditioning for the in-betweeners or something? Yeah, I mean I I've been quite lucky in that I haven't never really audition for stuff with the in-betweeners I, I was just friends with Ian and Damon who wrote it um, <laughs> I used to write sketches for them for their radio show and I kept asking if I could audition for the in-betweeners and they kept saying no that I was far too old and I think to quote them far too camp um, <laughs> uh, but um, they just ran out of time <laughs> and uh, I, they had my phone number so uh and then Friday Night Dinner, um, Robert, who writes Friday Night Dinner, was the editor on In Between Us. So he just asked me to be in it and when we were at uh, In Between Us rehearsal. So I've never got a part that I've auditioned for. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, in a way, it brought back some hor- horrible memories, putting all those kids through it. Yeah, I've forgotten the question now. I'm just remembering all my horrible auditions. <laughs> the kid who plays Daniel's friend, I've forgotten his character name. Yeah, uh, Kai. He's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's great, like, isn't it? Is he like Justin from The Darkness? He's like secret love child. Because he's just, <laughs> that's he's all, amazing. That's all real as well. That is, is that's, that's funny what he's like. That's Elliot Spadagillet, who, who was, um, he was the kid in Uncle, which is a BBC Three sitcom. And he's all grown up now. Yeah, he's an amazing character. So good. He's a proper old school eccentric in the greatest tradition. Yeah, uh, yeah he's lovely. Yeah, it's great. Okay, we've got any more questions? Are we? Yeah, 
over there. We've got one each side and then that's... I think all we've got time to thank you. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, I love the film. It was excellent. Really, oh, really funny. Um, I was just wondering, did you not fancy having uh, like a cameo role in it at all? Oh, God. No, you're <laughs> asking Stuart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, Absolutely not, no. I think I, I just I, I was just desperately wanted to direct and really wanted to do as good a job as I could. And so there were so many... What was amazing about it was getting to cast all those brilliant people, you know, like Tim Key and Alice Lowe and Townsend Gregg and Rob Brydon and all those cameos. So, no, I, I always thought there are better people for the, for those parts than me. Uh, and that's that's the joy of directing is getting to cast just people that you're huge fans of and work with people that you're huge fans of. Do you find it easy directing people? I did, yeah. I, I mean, I, I might have just been lucky. And you obviously hear, like, horror stories of actors who it's impossible to direct but everyone that was in this was re- really nice and I sort of, um, s- sort of half knew all of them anyway so it'd been weird if they'd been really horrible to me uh, uh, so no I was lucky and then we had one last question over here hello do you both have a favorite score and soundtrack oh god can you go first <laughs> Well, I, I did mention the, the Spike Lee one that we saw. Um, oh, he has said that, yeah. Uh, she's going to have it. But you said Harold and Maud earlier. I like that as well. Yeah. Can I, t- can I steal that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we're done. There's a funny uh, Ealing comedy called Two A Stretch with uh, Peter Sellers, and and it's probably the last one you thought I would say, but check it out. The music's terrific. It's a really good one. for this we're on a like literally on a podcast called soundtracking it's the most obvious no offense to you but it's a really obvious question and i didn't i didn't see it coming i'm gonna have to comment on this episode and, and uh, yeah, yeah it's fine i'll come back we'll to come you. back to you yeah yeah give you okay, yeah at the airport i'll ask you <laughs> um thank you so much for coming and doing this don't be ridiculous thank are, you for having us that's been amazing the next film in sight in thought in it's in, in thought yeah okay yeah uh it just takes such a long time mm. so yeah in, in 2025 yeah. maybe <laughs> um but i mean seriously don't laugh that's that's yeah. my whole thing yeah. Stuart, what about you do you want to you want to you're going to make another film uh, yeah one day one day we, we we're you know the group's been on a tear since the we last did the film. I haven't really had any time off, and uh, so uh, yeah, maybe one day. But then I'll, I'll probably do something with the group next time. Yeah, and I can't not ask you what Bell and Sebastian are up to for all the fans in the room. Oh, we're just we're just you know what do bands do? We record and then go on tour and record and go on <laughs> tour. So yeah, we're we're making another record as we speak. Fantastic, is, yeah. amazing! I love that little ripple of like. <laughs> 
energy in the room as well. And um, thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Thank you so much, guys, as well, for for coming out and joining us, and to Glasgow Film Festival as well for having us um, back for soundtrack and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much. Huge round of applause, please. Thank you, guys. Stuart thank Simon. You. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I love my tree in autumn Like I love my tree in summer Like I love my tree in winter They put me in a room And I thought of you in autumn And I'm sad I won't see you again Pretty when you sing me a new song in autumn Or a new song in winter Or a new song in summer Pretty when you put down your bow And come over with the smell of your breath From his film, God Help the Girl That's Pretty When the Wind Blows by Stuart Murdoch, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Stuart and Simon Bird. A huge thanks to both gentlemen for taking the time to join us in front of an audience at the Glasgow Film Festival. Days of the Bagnode Summer is available on home entertainment formats now with Bell and Sebastian's wonderful collection of songs that feature in the movie out via Matador on all the usual platforms. And we'll put up a Spotify playlist for this show at edithbowman.com. My website is also the place to subscribe and catch up with all of our previous episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And do look up our YouTube channel where I post a weekly show with guests from the world of film, TV and music. Next up, it's only our 200th episode. What? And we celebrate that in the wonderful company of female composer Pina Toprat, who does fantastic work across many mediums, be that working on Fortnite in the gaming world or Captain Marvel in the film world. So I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay safe and look after each other. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.